Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. And no, I am not talking about the holidays. I am not talking about Christmas. I am talking about WrestleMania season, which kicks off tomorrow. San Antonio, Texas, the Royal Rumble. We officially begin our journey to Hollywood, to Los Angeles, to two nights of WrestleMania. And of course, We are still basking in the afterglow of the wild night that was Raw's 30th anniversary. Joining me, as always, my broadcast partner from Monday Night Raw, Kevin Patrick. KP, first things first, I have to ask you, before we get to my self-induced, self-inflicted travel nightmare that I'm eager to (laughs) vent about, I need to know, this was your first time being present live in Philadelphia for the arrival of the immortal Hulk Hogan and things just kept getting wilder. What was going through your mind? Well, firstly, you saw my reaction. It was like, oh, I, I know, had to sit back. It's not exciting for me to, to remember what it looked like to me. I want you to say it to the people. But I know the reason you, the you asked me this works. question, right? You asked me this because you know it was, there was something different about it. The pop was incredible. The, the atmosphere, close to 17,000 people inside the Wells Fargo Center. See, I got it right. Say it again, say it again. Wells Fargo Center, not arena, because that's in Des Moines, bloody Iowa, down the road. (laughs) Anyway, the pop was phenomenal. The the reaction, incredible. But for me, it was a moment where we we knew that, look, what could go wrong? We're not going to predict that the microphone wasn't going to work. But that was a moment for us to sit back as broadcasters and go, just take it in. And that's a rare moment for us. Let's be honest. Throughout the entire show, we don't know whether we're going to have to sprinkle in something here or there. And in that moment, it was just lay out, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy Hulk Hogan appearing here at Raw 30. And I had a chance to take a deep breath and just look around. And that was quite an overwhelming experience, if I'm honest. I really, really enjoyed it. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. There's oftentimes tonight, meaning Monday night at the 30th anniversary, there are going to be numerous times where there is nothing you or I could possibly say that 17,000 people weren't already saying, or there is nothing you or I could enhance any more than a rabid Philadelphia crowd, which is what happened for the duration, three wild hours. I want to dive back into all that, but first things first, from my perspective, you should be happy that I'm here today, KP. Because I had to endure a nightmare yesterday morning. and It couldn't have been that bad. How bad was it? It was really bad. And the worst part was I did it to myself. Monday night, get back to my hotel room. I'm I'm laying there. You know, your adrenaline's up. You and I usually go have a few beverages or whatever just to kind of unwind. I couldn't unwind. I was just amped up. It was an exciting night. There was a lot going on. I had fully expected to drive from Philadelphia back to Pittsburgh much like I did on Sunday evening, the drive. Just shy of five hours though, right? Yeah, a little under five hours. Ordinarily, a couple of years back, that was nothing. I was a road dog. I, I could, if it, anything less than eight hours, yeah, no problem. I'll drive it. Not for old gravy. I was feeling a little lazy. Monday at about, I don't know, midnight, Monday evening after the show, I, I started questioning, man, do I really want to wake up in the morning and deal with Philadelphia traffic on the way out of the city and then drive five hours all the way home? No, I am going to book a flight. What? I took it upon myself after speaking to one of our cameramen, Rico, who informed me. He's also a Pittsburgh guy. He said, oh, there's a direct. Why don't you take the direct? Which is why I didn't go to begin with, why I drove initially. Found a nice, lovely direct flight about 11 a.m. Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. Easy. Get a decent night's sleep. Wake up at about 8.30. Kind of go about my business. No rush. I am in the best headspace I could possibly be realizing in about an hour, hour, 30 minutes. I'm going to be home. I'm going to be on my couch. I'm going to be back with my wife and my pets and everything's going to be lovely. So I return my rental car at Philadelphia airport. And as I sit down on the rental shuttle, you know, the little bus that takes you from the lot to the airport, you get a notification that my flight's canceled. So what'd you do? 
I was on the rental bus. I didn't even have my rental car anymore. I had already checked out of my hotel. Now, all of a sudden, I am faced with five or six different options for flights, which are all oh. way later in the day, way later in the day, many, many hours, such that it now, again, made more sense for me to drive all the way back to Pittsburgh. And even though I had just returned a rental car moments before, no cars available. No. Nowhere in the greater Philadelphia region were there rental cars available yesterday morning. Uh, so I, I just bit the bullet and I went to the, to the airport and I sat down and I wasted time like you do in an airport. Uh, what are your thoughts as an Irishman? I know you're a, a football soccer fan and it's not uncommon for you to enjoy a pint early in the morning while cheering on your favorite team. What are your thoughts, KP, on breakfast beers at the airport? Go for it. I mean, th- th- look, time doesn't exist at the airport. That's just the reality of the situation, right? So if you want to have a beer at the airport, go for it. I'm just surprised you didn't pick up your phone and make a few phone calls. I'm sure there was someone driving through Pittsburgh. Like who, who goes that direction? Was there anyone driving to New York or, or, uh, you know, or not New York. Sorry, I'm geography's all over the shop here. Clearly you're not good at geography, Kevin. Yeah, Wells Fargo Arena. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Man, it was some night though. I'll be honest with you. I'm sorry you went through all that because after the night that we had, you left buzzing. You were you were buzzing about the, the you know WWE, the industry, the night that we had, the fact that we're hitting WrestleMania season. If you had to go through that gravy, that's harsh, man. There, hey, listen, it was it was minor. It was water under the bridge, as you know. I tend to exaggerate and make things out uh, to be a little worse than they usually are. I made it home safe and sound. And to your point, you're absolutely right. I was still buzzing, basking in the afterglow, as I said a little bit earlier, of Raw 30, and, and you and I get to call. Monday Night Raw each and every week. And we see the best superstars in the entire world. But what stood out to me as a whole Monday night was we really, and I, when I say we, I mean us as a, as a company, as WWE, as the, the standard bearers in the industry, we really embraced our past and all of the superstars. And it wasn't just nostalgia. It wasn't just feel good. Think of the moment where you saw the American badass Undertaker and Bray Wyatt and that little exchange. And we still don't know what was said. And I have a feeling we probably never will. It's going to go down in history, like at the end of of Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 19, Stone Cold's last match, and Rock told the referee to get out of there. And they they had a little exchange. And years later, you found out what was what was said there. I feel like this Bray and Undertaker exchange can kind of live on like that. But but looking across the board, all of the legends, all of the Hall of Famers that were out there, and it just kind of made me wonder and think to myself, why don't we do this more often? And I don't mean from a sense that we have to parade legends out each and every week. You need to keep it special. And obviously an anniversary as, as enormous as the 30th of Monday Night Raw was the perfect time to do it. But we have such an overabundance of history, whether it be characters or story beats that you can draw from or things you can reference. Because now we don't want to rely too heavily on it because there are a lot of fans who watch now, who are only familiar with sort of the modern day. But for those of us who love it and have followed it, or whether it be lifelong or just years long as fans, it really feels special when you see these superstars. And I, I don't know why we can't just bring somebody out on a random Friday night SmackDown. I mean, they did it with Kurt Angle semi-recently because we were in Pittsburgh. I just love that there is so much history and our fans know it and they react accordingly. And three hours full of it Monday night. I think it was awesome. I'd love to see more of it. Look, I get what you're saying. You do not want Christmas every day, right? You don't want this to happen each and every week. Like JBL back right now has been a real treat. And hopefully that continues for some time to come and he can really accelerate uh, Baron Corbin's growth and, 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 and help him out a lot more like we, we've seen of late. Um, not that Corbin needs help. You know what I mean? Those two together can be one dynamic duo. But I agree with you. Like maybe you bring back... Uh, Teddy Long, like Adam Pierce, is having all sorts of struggles right now as WWE official. His authority has been undermined. Maybe Teddy Long comes back for a couple of weeks to help him out. Like something I mean, along I mean, those lines. You do realize, KP, that Teddy Long's authority role consists of making tag team matches. That's it. Yeah. That is it. <laughs> but I don't know that Teddy listen. ever made any decision other than <laughs> there are four of you, so playa, we're having a tag team match. Yeah, but are you telling me Adam Pierce hasn't struggled of late, the poor fella? I've been feeling sorry for Adam Pierce more than anyone else in the whole business. Adam Pierce clearly uh, went to the Michael Scott School of Business when it comes to <laughs> running things on Monday Night Raw. What else stood out to you, KP? I mean, we had the return of the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar spoiling Lashley's uh, designs on becoming United States champion yet again. Uh, oh, and, and the fact that that's an, oh, by the way, Correct. so much happened Monday. Oh, and by the way, Brock Lesnar's back because it's, it's WrestleMania season, man. 
he came back, what, two minutes to go in the entire show? Yeah. I was stunned, you and I. We had zero clue that this was about to happen. Next thing his music hits and, and we were as stunned as everybody else in the arena. Um, I also think the fact that you had this beautiful blend and concoction of the serious nature of the trial of Sami Zayn versus the comedy of DX and Kurt Angle as the special guest referee. And then you had Teddy Long. And then you had Jerry the King Lawler on commentary, which was such a treat for me, by the way. Right. That was a real moment that that made me kind of sit back and go, holy crap, Look, how did I end up in this position? How fortunate am I to be alongside Corey Graves and Jerry the King Lawler here having fun on commentary? I feel the same way when I get to work with King. And, I, and King and I have developed a relationship over the years. He has never been anything but stellar. I have got all the respect in the world for, for King and what he's done and the fact that he blazed the trail for me to be able to tell inane jokes on Monday nights. And I, I truly appreciate it. And we, we spent a lot of the day chatting and catching up. And, and I noticed there were a lot of superstars. I remember talking to the street prophets at one point as we were standing around ringside earlier in the day, just kind of looking, just kind of surveying the scene. And, and it was Dawkins and Ford and I chatting about how, man, as lifelong fans, we're here. We are at the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw as part of the show. And we all grew up fans watching, thinking, man, wouldn't it be great to get there someday to, to be part of it? And now to be able to step back and say, wow, I am sitting where Jerry Lawler sat. I am doing the same things that Vince McMahon and Macho Man and even your guy Rob Bartlett did many, many years back. It's really weird, and it's tough to to not get caught up in, in the, the grind, so to speak, of what we do, but it's so important once in a while to be able to step back and look at the whole picture and go, wow, we're part of this. This is it. We are Raw's 30th anniversary. We're not just there. We're not sitting on the other side of the barricade. We are there. We are on the TV. We are the evolution of the business and the company, and it was a really, really proud night for a lot of us. And to that point, uh, certain guys stepped up on the night. And I think you'd agree that Gunther, for example, staring down Triple H, that was yes. a really cool moment. Seth Rollins has taken to social media to say, run it back, you know, with, with, yeah. uh, with Imperium versus Seth and the Street Profits, which was so cool. And I know that LA Knight, in that moment with The Undertaker, for you, you were impressed. I was extremely impressed. And not just because LA was on after the bell a few weeks back. If you missed out, check it out. You get to learn a lot about the man who is LA Knight. But what the WWE Universe got to see Monday night was, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of many, LA Knight belongs. The fact that LA Knight stood out there and had the interaction with the, with the Undertaker, with Bray Wyatt, of course, there were a lot of things going on, but... It was the intensity on the face of L.A. Knight, oftentimes in this business, and we've seen it happen a million times. And people probably never paid attention to it before, but now that I'm going to draw, I'm going to draw attention to it. People are going to go, "Oh my God, that does happen all the time." It's not uncommon for modern day superstars or or current superstars to interact with legends of the past. Sometimes heroes, people they grew up watching, that happens a lot. But there's always sort of a a, a I don't know what the word I'm looking for. The, uh, the ability or the tendency to defer to the legend from the past. And, and that's a respect thing. That's what this business is. Conditioned by admiration. On. Sure, exactly. You, you, you get caught up in it. And it's difficult not to be caught up by the presence of The Undertaker or any, any of the legends who were there on Monday night, including, you know, your Ron Simmons is still an imposing, intimidating guy. Uh, it, it's tough to not defer to them and let them do things their way because, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm a fan. I appreciate what you do. L.A. Knight, as we learned, has a, a history in this business. He's got a respect for everybody who's come before him. But L.A. Knight lived up and acted like what he has been saying. He belongs. He believes this is his show. And the fact that he stood there in the face of The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt and didn't feel less than, it did not feel to me like your typical nostalgia segment where it feels good. Oh, you know, Kane's going to choke slam somebody. Oh, you know, it's a matter of time before somebody gets the DX suck it or whatever that is. It didn't feel that way with Undertaker. It felt very much like, all right, LA Knight's up to something. Oh, here comes the dead man. Well, LA Knight might use this opportunity to dump Taker's bike and, and get the world to talk about him, man. He really, and it wasn't so much what he did. Obviously, he got Sister Abigail. That wasn't, I'm sure, how he envisioned things planning out. But as a star that comes through the screen and grabs your attention and makes you say, hey, here I am. I am who I say I am, and I'm going to show you 
I'm going to lead by example. I think the LA Knight had a great accounting of himself on Monday night, and it makes me excited for this Saturday for the first ever Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, which, of course, you or I still have no freaking idea what it's about. Uh, <laughs> LA enlightened us that it's going to be a kind of a badass street fight with some crazy lighting, at least. Uh, but I'm curious to see how it plays out. Pinfall or submission, anything else goes throughout the entire match. Let's see how dark it gets at the Alamo Dome. Another fella, by the way, who has never seemed to be too intimidated by the company that he found himself with, Sami Zayn. But that may have come as, as a cost. We had the trial of Sami Zayn. And this, for me, was just the most epic 35 minutes or whatever of television. And we had front row seats. To take this in the way, the way that we were able to, but watching on our monitors like everybody else was at home, where does this rank for you, Graves? It's got to be up there with you know, some of the top moments in Raw history. I would say it is definitely uh, the the whole bloodline scenario to me has been some of the most compelling television our business has ever seen. And what I mean by that is we know there's going to be great matches along the way. We know the Usos tear it down every time they step in the ring. Monday night, they did it again. They'll do it again Friday night on SmackDown against, uh, was it Butch and Ridge, I believe. The Usos always deliver. You know when the Tribal Chief competes, it's going to be a banger. It's going to be a memorable night. There's going to be moments, but it's all the in-between stuff. It is compelling television. For the same reason you watch a House of the Dragon or, or succession or insert your favorite TV show here. It is all playing out before our very eyes and the, the relationships between all of the players. That's that the minutia. It is so, so much more in depth than our business is used to watching the dynamics between Jay Uso and Sami Zayn evolve and change over the course of a year has been spectacular. The subtleties, the, the, Nobody saw Jey Uso as the one who saved Sammy's hide on Monday night, but it happened and you believed it and you understand it all makes sense. There's such attention to detail. We talk about this all the time. That's what separates the, the greats from the, the good are the attention to details and to a man, to a person, everyone involved in the bloodline and the Sami Zayn story arc, if you want to call it that, has played their roles to perfection and I genuinely just enjoy watching it play out. Yeah. How sly and manipulative was Paul Heyman to go all in? Paul? He, he wants him dead, according to Paul Heyman. The footage, exhibit A, B, C, and D that he brought up. The fact that he's talking about a high school hallway shoulder block as Sami Zayn looked to pass Roman Reigns with the microphone from many weeks ago. The footage that he dug up sensational. And then Sammy says, I've got no defense. I've got no defense. Roman Reigns is furious. He sends Solo, the enforcer, to decapitate him. And it looked like that was going to happen only for Jay to step in. In that moment, the arena was stunned. Everybody at home, I'm sure, stunned Graves. Nobody expected Jay, as you mentioned, to step up in that moment. But man, it was a beautiful sight. It was beautiful. It was absolutely fun to, to live from our perspective. Solo is going to have his hands full with the prize fighter KO tonight on Friday Night Smack. I got to correct myself earlier. It's going to be Sheamus and Butch against the Usos, not Ridge Holland. I, I checked my notes in the interim. The final show before we head to San Antonio, before the Royal Rumble. This is our Go home episode, as the, we like to call it inside the industry. KP, this is going to be your first time in the Alamo Dome, witnessing the spectacle of the Royal Rumble that kicks off our entire road to WrestleMania, the pinnacle of the year. How excited are you and what are you most looking forward to as we head to San Antonio? Yeah, I believe over 55,000 people, certainly over 50,000 people will be in the Alamo Dome. Um, five matches but Graves, we're going to have some long, long matches. This is going to be a great, great night when you consider the, the two, obviously, 30-man, uh, 30 30-woman 30 Royal Rumble matches. And I'd love to start there. Is that okay? Can I start with the, ma the men's Royal Rumble match? Because some of the competitors in this make it incredibly difficult to pick and the momentum that they're coming in with. Pick Cody Rhodes, for example. Storming back from, you know, this brutal injury that we saw. And I heard the doctor saying it's going to be at least nine months. He's beaten that time already. Heads back in on Saturday. Seth Rollins has been operating on a different level of late, as has Gunther, Bobby Lashley, the almighty. I said here when last week when we found out that Cody would be in the Rumble, that it automatically puts Cody in the top three, maybe five. But how do you bet against any of the people that you just named? And the field continues to, to take shape still. There are still quite a few question marks as to who is going to fill out the 30-man role. Those that we already have 
for my money, already it's one of the more stacked uh, men's Royal Rumble matches that we've had in recent memory because oftentimes there's you have your tentpole superstars, your five or six top tier, and then you got a lot of bodies. You get you a few nostalgia acts, a few people you haven't seen in a while, maybe sprinkle in somebody from NXT. But already, even though the, the field is, I think, barely half announced as we record this, man, how do you pick one? And then knowing that there are going to be some heavy surprises. There always are. Who who are they? What do those look like? I, I wish I had a clue, but at the same time, it's my favorite thing about the Royal Rumble is being surprised. Even to this day, where I sit at ringside, where all I have to do is send the right text message to the right person and I have some ideas as to what's happening, but just to be in the moment and react and feel it like everybody else in the Alamo Dome will, that's exciting to me. So you have, you're, not, you're never tempted to do that. You have no clue. When you're in that commentary position, you have no idea who's going to pop. Or who's going to come through next? I, and and you can believe me or not, I go out of my way to know as little as possible for an event like this. Obviously, sometimes I need to know certain things. I got to convey stories and and certain things to our viewers. So once in a while, I end up getting, getting the jump on things. But when possible, it's my favorite thing about this business to this day. Nothing makes me as excited or happy as being truly, deeply surprised. Is Michael Cole the same way? Because he's he said for many years this is his favorite event of the year. Yes, yes. I I, I think Cole. I, I mean, God, I learned basically from Cole. I'm sure I probably absorbed that via osmosis just by being around him. But it's going to be a night to remember. We've got the, the women's uh, ch- championship match: Bel- Bianca Belair defending against Alexa Bliss. Very curious to see how that plays out. Roman and KO. KO has been a massive threat to the bloodline. KP, do you think Owens leaves San Antonio with? the championship or is this just one more victim on the island of relevancy it's impossible to talk about this match without bringing in Sami Zayn again because Roman said on Monday Night Raw I have one final test on Saturday what exactly is that final test for Sami and and will Sami you know will he defect I, I, I like he's clearly had a lot on his mind of late and Jey Uso defending him will he you know will that convince Sami Zayn that no I'm I'm my heart is within the bloodline you know and, and does he come through for Roman Reigns in this final test. Whatever that is, can't wait to see it. And it's weird how relatable Sami Zayn has become throughout this entire issue because even now, Monday night, he's on trial where in Sami's mind, all he has done, all he has done has been in the best interest of the bloodline to serve the tribal chief to the best of his ability, but he doesn't have that belief. And, and people can sitting at home could know what that feels like, whether it be at work going, I outwork everybody, but my boss won't give me a promotion. Oh, I, Hey, I'm actually the one that cleaned up the mess, but the other guy's getting all the credit for it. It's a very, very common human emotion and experience to feel, which is why I think everybody's so invested in Sami Zayn right now. Everybody kind of knows what even it's like your parents getting mad at you when you know, you didn't do anything. How do you defend yourself? Mom, I swear to God, I didn't eat the last cookie. Well, do you have proof? No, I need your sister. You need your brother to step in and defend you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's really, really interesting. And And you talk about being relatable. Like for me, Jey Uso, the key for Jey Uso all along has been loyalty, right? Yes. He didn't trust Sami Zayn. He didn't feel Sami Zayn, his heart was in the right place, his intentions in the right place. And Sami won him over. And now Jey jumps to Sami's defense. and, And will that play a factor come Saturday? There's so much intrigue about these matches. Take away the two Royal Rumble matches, right? The other three, Alexa Bliss, Bianca Belair. Who the hell knows how this is going to play out with Alexa Bliss? I mean, she's so unbelievably complicated right now. Bianca Belair, the strongest, the quickest, you name it, um, as a women's superstar. But Alexa Bliss is a curious case. As for Bray Wyatt and the Mountain Dew pitch black match with uh, LA Knight, who the hell knows again? With this match, who the, hell, the intrigue is off the charts for these three matches. Absolutely. Where does... Uncle Howdy factor into things. And that pertains to not only the pitch black match, the Mountain Dew pitch black match, but also the the Alexa Bliss match. Because again, we've seen Uncle Howdy show up and, and do uh, his weird sort of hocus pocus. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Before we get to our very special guest who will be competing, let's talk about the women's side of things. Women's match. Women's Royal Rumble match, 30 superstars, same rules as the men. Somebody's heading to WrestleMania. And just like the men's, this thing is stacked already. But also, there are even more question marks. In the women's Royal Rumble match, 
than the men thus far. There, there have been less superstars who have, who have declared. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of the people that you expect to see in the Women's Royal Rumble match. But every, every year, there's been a few surprises, a few faces we haven't seen uh, in quite some time. Last year was Mickey James, who was the reigning Impact Women's Champion uh, at the time. She showed up. That was big. Maybe somebody unlocks the forbidden door. Everybody on the internet gets all excited when you say that. Uh, but I think I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Maybe we see somebody who you said a million times, there is absolutely no way in hell they will ever step foot back into WWE. They will never compete under the, the banner of WWE. And, well, they want to be part of WrestleMania. So they show up and never say never. Uh, I'm very curious to see how all this plays out, mainly because I have so many questions. Yeah, and over the past few years, that look, there haven't been too many winners in the Women's Royal Rumble match. It's not going back to, you've got like Oscar. Uh, yeah, it's still a relatively Flair. new match concept correct, for the women. Correct, right. yeah. Becky Lynch, uh, Bianca Belair is another. And even those last two superstars that I mentioned, I mentioned this on Monday Night Raw as well, the trajectory and, and, and the life-changing victory that this could be. Bianca Belair, she goes on to, to, to win at WrestleMania and the rest is history. After a couple, a couple of years ago, it was in Tampa, correct, at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble match, goes on to have a triple threat match against Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. She becomes Becky two belt, right? Like it's, it's life changing. It's game changing. And whomever comes through in the end after this 31 woman Royal Rumble match headed to WrestleMania, it's going to be class, man. I cannot wait to see it. Any early predictions? Is there someone you simply can't look past? Because our next guest coming up on the show is absolutely one of those superstars. And Raquel Here's Rodriguez. My, my bold prediction is that someone between the numbers of 1 and 29 will win. The 30th won't be the one. There's my prediction. Whoever comes out 30th will not be the winner of the Royal Rumble matches. Uh, but I, KP, you, you mentioned it. I'm excited to get her insight for the very first time ever on After the Bell, a woman who is preparing to compete in the Women's Royal Rumble match tomorrow, streaming live WWE on Peacock from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Please welcome Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel, first of all, thanks for hanging out with us here on After the Bell. Welcome for the first time ever. We are 24 hours away from the beginning of the road to WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, where you will compete in your very first women's Royal Rumble match. What is going through your mind right now? Everything possible. Everything that could go right, everything that could go wrong everything that could just happen in general, just because like you said, it's my first Royal Rumble. I have been dreaming about being a part of a Royal Rumble since I was a little girl. And it's funny because two years ago, I think it was two years ago when the Royal Rumble was in Houston, Texas, I had just made my NXT debut. And in my head, I was like, yeah, that was my chance. And it's in Texas. Great. You know, uh, but it didn't work for me that way. So it's fine. You know, everybody's journey is different, but it's just it feels very serendipitous that this Royal Rumble is in San Antonio, Texas, and that I'm able to do this, have my first Royal Rumble in front of my family, my friends, just everyone who I truly love and just share this experience with them. I'm absolutely freaking out and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to say that out loud. Uh, I mean, keep the nerves we're inside. cool, calm, and collected. You are ready to dominate. As and you're making us a little jealous here because you are home as of right now. I know you've got SmackDown tonight. Your mom's making breakfast for you. You've had egg tacos. And, and I, I'm guessing you'll have family in attendance at the Royal Rumble, I will, will you? I will. So I'm going to have all of my immediate family there. All of my cousins are coming that live in San Antonio. Um, a lot of my basketball friends are coming. Some from that have known me since the sixth grade and some that I met in college that are just very good, strong friends of mine. Um, and then I also have a lot of my close family or I guess, I guess they would just be friends and, and people that I went to school with and grew up with and coaches and whatnot from the Valley that are also making the drive up to come and watch the rumble that weekend. So I'm excited. <laughs> it sounds like you're, you're bringing everybody that you know, which is a good thing because the Alamo dome is absolutely enormous, yes. but talk to, talk to us a little bit about the beginning of your journey. We're a little bit familiar. We get to see glimpses of who Raquel Rodriguez is back to your NXT days. We, we learn about you on SmackDown. Tell us about how Raquel Rodriguez came to get where you are today in 2023. Well, it all started back it in all Texas. It all started back in Texas. 
uh, on the day I was about to be born. <laughs> no, my mom, uh, it's funny cause my dad loves to tell this story. So my mom, as she was going into labor with me, uh, my sister's two years older, they took her to the hospital and the doctor was like, you know, it's going to be a while. She's not coming for a while. And funny enough, my dad, who's also a worker, he had a show that night. So his tag team buddy at the time came into the hospital and he was like, Rick, come on. She's, you know, she's not coming for hours. We can go. We'll work. We'll come back. Oh. She'll be born. <laughs> You'll just be back in time. He was not back in time. I was born out while he was oh. wrestling. <laughs> um, can you imagine, Grace? <laughs> oh, imagine! I can relate. I can relate what? to her dad. Stop. I missed. I missed my son being born because I was on a tour of Spain wrestling. No it way! My first child was born. I was. I was in Spain wrestling Rikishi, and uh, actually, I have. A, I have a newspaper clipping from the Spanish newspaper. I can't remember which city we were in. I think it may have been Valencia. And I was wrestling Gangrel that night in a bullfighting arena. And I, I, had, I had to get paid, man. I had a baby on the way. I had to make money somehow. So I had to take this tour. So I have this newspaper clipping that I tell my son, like, I'm sorry I wasn't there the night you were born. I was fighting vampires in Spain. That's a really cool story, <laughs> So I feel too. like it's a pretty... Right, right. It's not so bad. So I can relate. So don't don't hold that over your over your dad's no, head too bad. No. It's probably no, more but, common. But Raquel, I can imagine your mom. I can imagine your mom had some serious words for your dad's tag yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she did. They're all still very good friends, actually. To, to be completely fair, so I mean, I think it's a really cool story, and I like to think that that's how it kind of started for me because my dad was wrestling for the whole entire beginning of my life. So we were constantly on the road with him. We were taking road trips two, four hours because you know the valley where I'm from. It's very rural. We do have a lot of wrestling. It is a big wrestling community because we're so close to Mexico. But you do have to drive two hours to Corpus Christi, four hours to San Antonio, uh, five hours to Houston, eight hours to Dallas just to get to the bigger cities to get more opportunities. And so that's what we were doing with my dad every weekend as we were all jumping in the car. We were taking these family trips and we were getting to go watch him at the shows. And I'm sure Corey can relate to this, too. But my dad would put us in the way back because he's like, you don't call me father. You don't call me daddy at the shows. <laughs> so my sister and I would be at these bars and we would be standing up on the tables and we would just be rooting and, and chanting and cheering and booing the bad guys or whoever my dad was wrestling. Because sometimes he was a bad guy, but not to us ever. Was it something that you fell in love with back then or was it just kind of dad's job? My kids to me are, it's just, oh yeah, dad's on TV, but okay, whatever. It's just my job. It was something I fell in love with back then. And I think it has to do because I was like, I, I still am. I am like this with my dad. I, he is like my best friend. I would go with him everywhere. I would go to trainings with him. I would hang out with him. Even after the shows, uh, we would go all of us together with the wrestlers, with the guys, and we would go eat wings afterwards. And, you know, I just always felt so included in that world, in that vibe. And so it was something that I always wanted to do. But back then it was different for women. It was a different landscape. It was different just overall compared to what it is now. And it was not something I think my dad was looking forward to seeing his baby girl do. So he kind of put, you know, restrictions on me where he was like, it's, if it's something you want to do first, you need to pursue school. You need to get a degree. You need to go to college. You need to get your education. So I did. I fell in love with playing basketball. I thankfully got a scholarship for basketball and I got to continue my college education on a scholarship and do something that I loved and staying active, which was playing basketball and being on the road. Because even basketball itself, we were constantly on buses, on planes, you know, going east, west, north, south to play these different teams. So it was always so much fun to me having that road life, that camaraderie. It was just something that I was very used to. But the day I graduated, I pulled my dad aside and I was like, Here's my diploma. I got it. Guess what's next? <laughs> and he was like, okay, okay. So he, he's been very hands-on with my entire process too. Like he would only let me train with people that he trusted. He would only let me try rolling and bumping for the first time in rings where he was around to make sure that I was getting protected and treated right. So it was a very rocky start for me because I was at the time still in, in Huntsville, Texas, where I went to college. And to go to these trainings and to meet my dad to do these trainings, again, I had to drive four, six hours every weekend just to try and get a few rolls and a few bumps in, which I think is relatable to any person who's coming up in the wrestling business on the indie market because you are constantly on the road driving all the time. So it was, it was very similar to that. I just wasn't performing as much as everyone else, I think, just because I was really trying to get the basics down and be ready enough for my father to give me the approval to go all hands in. So despite having your success in basketball and, and pursuing your education, the goal always remained the same. You had known 
to to that point that you this is where you wanted to be? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I still have a lot of my friends that they message me now, and you know, like when I had my match with Ronda or, or when I made my SmackDown debut, they were always like, "Oh my God, I remember you know." we would be on this road loop and you were just always saying that you wanted to be a wrestler. This is something you wanted to do, or you were always watching wrestling and keeping up with it. Like, it's just so cool to see you out there. So it it definitely was something that was constantly on the mind. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about the transition, the jump from NXT where you had a great deal of success in your own right to the main roster, because as much as there is a, a transition that's made and we attempt to make it as smooth as possible, it's a different world coming up to Raw or SmackDown versus NXT. Talk to me about your experience and, and how you dealt with that change. It was it was a, a very tricky change, I would think, because just because that past year when I was still in NXT, there were still a lot of unknown factors. You know, there was a lot going on in the outside world. There was a lot going on in the wrestling world. People were sitting on edge and just worried and and constantly just thinking about, well, what if, what if, what if? So finally, when I got the call for SmackDown, I was like elated. I was so excited because it was something I'd been working so hard for. And I was just happy to, you know, to be able to call myself a SmackDown women's roster talent. Um, so when I got up there, I was just, I just told myself, I was like, no matter what, I am going to go up there. I'm going to do my very best and I'm going to make it as joyful and, and fun as I can for myself. Because you just never know in this world. And that's that's the mindset I was in is that you never know what's next. You never know what's going to happen. I want to have as much fun doing this, doing what I've been dreaming about for as long as I can remember right now. And I want to continue to keep doing that. And your infectious enthusiasm, for me, it comes through. Every time I see you and, and you know, even going backstage or I remember after a premium live event recently, myself and Kayla Braxton were grabbing a bite to eat and you came in and you joined us. But the way you even walked through the restaurant, you had this big, huge smile. You're delighted to be there. And that comes across on television. But for those that are watching the Royal Rumble this weekend, who is Raquel Rodriguez? She is, honestly, it's just, I I feel like I'm simple. I feel like Raquel is just a simple woman. She has been fighting and working hard to get to where she wants to be her entire life. And now that she's here, I just want to show everyone that I can dominate this because I, I do feel like I do bring um, a sense of, I guess, like you said, infectious joy. And I can feel that too now that people have pointed it out to me more and more. But there's so much more behind me because a lot of times I use that to kind of hide what I'm really feeling. And that's like, sorry, (laughs) that's like nervousness. That's um, a lack of confidence. It's, It's everything that's happening in your personal life that you're trying to keep out of the wrestling world. Because to me, when I step out there, when I step into the ring, I am in a different world and everything that is happening outside of it is just outside of it. It's just that. And it's this, it's all white yeah, noise. it's the white noise. And it was the same with basketball. You know, it was something that we always kind of preach to each other was when it's game time, it's game time. Everything that's happening outside of game time, everything that's happening outside of basketball gets left off the court. And that's the same thing for me. Everything that's happening outside of wrestling that has nothing to do with wrestling gets left outside of the ring. And that's what I love to bring for Raquel, but she definitely does struggle every day. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's a mental game. It's always been a mental game. And I think that's what Raquel and myself is good at is even though I'm struggling, I try to tell myself that no matter what life goes on and we have to keep pushing forward and we have to do it in the best possible attitude that we can, because if we stay negative and we stay stuck in these ruts of just like negative nastiness that people want to bring along, then that's just going to portray onto the on-screen. And I don't want that. I want to go out there and I want to give my best performance for the people who deserve it and for myself and for myself as well. We, we have quite a few superstars come on here and discuss mental health and how important that is and how that relates to what they do on screen. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you've had some struggles of your own. What would you say to somebody who's watching who, who or listening to this right now who maybe deals with some similar issues or some, some, you know, internal struggles or self-confidence issues, because it sounds like something you've experienced, but you've managed to, to make it into something positive. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's honestly been an ongoing, uh, an ongoing thing for me just because I've always been much bigger, much taller than a lot of the women. So I never felt like I fully fit in with anyone. Basketball really helped me with my confidence because uh, to put it in a lack of better words, I was needed, right? You need the tall girl. You need the tall girl to make sure. the rebounds. You need the tall girl to make the points. So I felt like I was contributing to a team to the best of my ability. And it's the same when it comes to wrestling, but you know, we can always stop and compare ourselves to other people, or we can always hope that something happened a certain way. But I like to take a step back and I like to think, okay, I'm struggling with this today, but I look at everything else that I have going on for me. I have my family. I have my friends. I have people who love me. And then I tell myself, 
if someone is sitting out there and they're struggling with that today, is me frowning and me just bad mouthing and giving a well, sorry, lack of a better word, a caca performance going to make them feel better. No, it's not. They're going to see that. They're going to know that I am dwelling in my own, you know, sad little world instead of going out there and bringing a smile to their face pretty much. And so that's something that I, you know, I'm very heavy in my religion, but it's something that I pray for every time before I step through that curtain is I pray to God. I say, please, you know, if there's just one thing I do tonight, it's one, give us a healthy match where we both come out of here safely. And two, help me put a smile on one person's face today. Help me make someone's day. Even if it's not a smile, help me have an impact on their emotions in some little way. And that's all I ask for every time I go out. So that's something that I'm hoping, you know, with this Royal Rumble that I can do and and open the eyes of lots of little Hispanic girls here that probably do feel stuck in a box or they don't feel like they can compete with other women or they feel self-conscious about stuff. Like I want them to know that they're beautiful that any way that they are, the way they were born. Like just accept what God has given you and use it to the best of your abilities. It's, it's taken me a long time to use my size to the best of my abilities, but now that I'm there, I get it. <laughs> I think that's super important to be able to convey that. And you mentioned being a role model to, to little Hispanic girls or little girls around the world. You've been doing a lot of community work, community outreach within WWE in the Hispanic community. And you're a bit of a departure from what the wrestling business has usually presented. Ordinarily you get your luchadors, you, that, that, sort of, you know, stereotype for lack of a better term. What does it mean to you to have a, a different persona that can really connect with people on a human level, as opposed to the, the Lucha Libre and the flashy aspects of the game that we've always presented? I absolutely love it because even when I get to do these things and I get to talk to people, like I, I came up to Austin this past year for a Harry Styles concert. Don't judge me. Wasn't my choice. I was supporting a friend. It's, hey, 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 listen, I, I'm going to sit here. Listen, never be ashamed of your musical taste. I, Corey Graves, once attended an sync concert with Pink as the opening performer. I took my younger sister. I went because it was a favor to mom and dad. Had the time of my life. So no need to explain yourself, <laughs> Raquel. I embrace your inner Harry Styles fan. It's fine. Listen, your concert sounds a lot better. <laughs> I mean, Harry Styles was great. Don't get me wrong, he's a great <laughs> performer. But I did go with my best friend and it was here in Austin, Texas. And one of the best things about that trip to me was like, we went to the mall beforehand and then we went to the concert. And I met three of the most beautiful women that have been following my career have been hands down, you know, supporting me throughout. I've seen their posts. I've seen their comments multiple times and they were all there. One of them was at the mall with her mom. The other two were at the concert and they found me somehow. And they just gave me these big hugs and these big smiles. And it was something that like behind the cameras, you don't really get to see. So it was really cool to just meet them and connect with them and, and hear their story and hear why they connect with me and why they they see something in me and that just brings me so much more hope and more joy. And it also makes me just want to do more. It makes me want to be more dominant. It makes me want to be a bigger force in this business on raw or on SmackDown. It makes me hungrier for more because I know that there's so many people out there who are looking for that same kind of, I guess, person to look up to. And I want to be that for them to the best of my ability. If I can. You say you're hungry for more in life. I think today, I think we'd all agree. We often think what's next, what's next, but how important is it at times, Raquel, to stop and, and realize that tomorrow's not promised and, and, and know that you're incredibly proud of everything you've accomplished so far. Oh, it's so important. And that's why I love doing these interviews too, because it, it gives me a moment to like stop and, and take a step back and look at everything that I've accomplished this past year, let alone. I've had two matches with Ronda Rousey. That is something that even when she made her return, I never imagined I would get the opportunity to step into the ring with Ronda Rousey once, not, let alone twice. And I'm super proud of both of their, those performances. I feel like we both went out there. We came together as two athletes, two understanding athletes from different backgrounds, and we made magic. And that was something that was, it's just so humbling to be able to step back and look at that and know that that's something that I am capable of. But that also, you know, it just makes you even hungrier. Sure. But at the end of the day, it is something cool to like take a step back and be like, girl, you're on SmackDown. You wrestle Ronda Rousey. There you go. But it wasn't that you just wrestled Ronda Rousey. You tore it down with Ronda Rousey. What did that do for your confidence as a relatively new superstar? I mean, yes, you've, you've got experience. You're not new to the game as a whole. But in the eyes of the WWE universe, we're all still learning who Raquel Rodriguez is. How do we connect with her? What is it about her? You had to be feeling on top of the world. Even though you came up short, you didn't win the title. But you, you tore the house down with Ronda Rousey. How did that feel? It felt absolutely amazing. And honestly, like, even though I came up short, I know that 
Charlotte wouldn't have won the title if it wasn't for me. So it makes me feel even better. <laughs> it makes me feel really, really good because it does solidify in me that confidence that I feel like sometimes we lack as performers or we lack as women or as human beings in general. And, and to be able to do that and to see those comments and to hear those kinds of feedback from gentlemen like you two, it, it's just really, really cool and really humbling to know that like, yeah, I did the damn thing, you know? You know, it's funny, Raquel, you say you say you too, and you, you talk about us as gentle. I always talk about Corey as this, you know, he's, he's, he's crunchy on the outside, but really soft on the inside. And I'll tell you this, peel back the curtain a little bit. Alex, our producer, said last week, who are you thinking for next week? Corey Graves said, how about Raquel Rodriguez? She's been crushing it. Yeah! So there you go. And it wasn't just me. It, was, it wasn't just me. Uh, someone else, maybe a little bit more familiar to the entire world, uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair Correct. himself was extremely complimentary of your match what? with Ronda Rousey. Oh. Uh, yeah. Not to blow your mind here. Yeah, you know? my mind's blown. <laughs> blown. It's funny because I've had like very few interactions with Ric Flair. And both times, you know, once I was with Rhea Ripley, she was standing right next to me. And I totally understand. She just had her match with Charlotte. So I know his eyes were fresh on like, you know, who she was. And I was just this upcoming star in NXT. So like it was very brief. Same thing with this last time, you know, he was there really to say hi to Rhonda and I was just kind of there too because we're working together. <laughs> um, so it was really cool. That's, oh, thank you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the nature boy and, and it's hard not to think back. And we didn't mention this earlier, Corey, but the moment between Ric Flair and his daughter, Charlotte, the embrace between the two, you mentioned the 30 championships between the two throughout their careers. And I, I can't help but think about you and everything you've told us so far, Raquel, about your father and the fact that he's going to be there. Corey, there's a part of me wishes we had a dad cam on yeah. Raquel's dad. When your music <laughs> hits and you get to come out for your first ever Royal Rumble and everything he's been through, protecting you all the way up, it, it kind of, I was thinking a little bit about Young Rock and Young, you know, Dewey, as, as he was called as a young kid, young DJ, watching his dad Rocky Johnson, and, and he's in all the old halls watching him coming through and, and he starts to do it himself. And it's a beautiful story that you've told us here. And I, I know you'll take this into commentary, uh, Corey, I'm sure as well, when you're calling the Royal Rumble match, but I wish we had that dad cam on your, on your dad and your mom for that matter on when your music hits and what it's going to mean to them and how proud they'll be. Oh yeah. And you know, my dad, he's very, uh, when you meet him for the first time, he doesn't like to show a lot of emotions. He's very much like that, that dad that's very stoic. You know what I mean? But get a good couple beers in him and he's going to crack like an egg really easily. <laughs> and it's been, the magic, <laughs> like sauce. magic sauce. And we've been talking about it too this weekend. Cause uh, we do talk about miss. We miss being on the road together. You know, it was even basketball when I was going through my whole entire basketball career, I was doing AAW basketball, which is like summer. So it was like year round nonstop basketball with multiple teams traveling all the time. My dad worked multiple jobs so that he could take that time off to drive me to all the tournaments, to drive me to meet recruits, to take me to wherever it was I needed to. So this weekend is kind of cool for us because going to Laredo today, he's going to take that little road trip with me out there. And then coming back to San Antonio, it's just going to be like like the old days when he used to ride with his boys on the shows, you know, <laughs> but now it's me and him. Like the old days, but, but how excited are you for the prospect of being able to outlast 29 other women while your family's in the house, while your friends are in the house, in your home state of Texas, and potentially punch your ticket to WrestleMania. That can't be lost on you. The magnitude, of, I'm not trying to freak you out. I guess it's good I'm doing it now rather than the day of, but get all those nerves out. <laughs> Listen, I am sweating. That's why my hands are up like this because there is just, <laughs> there's not enough air coming up in here. I'm so, ex I get sweaty nerve, you know, nerve. I get sweaty when I'm nervous. That's nervous what I was sweats. trying to say. Yeah, nervous sweats. Um, yes, I, it's, it's very, very, very mind boggling what could actually potentially happen tomorrow at the Royal Rumble because, you're right. 29 other women and all my family's going to be there probably very close watching very closely. Like just got to take a deep breath. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure, no pressure at all. <laughs> I'll go cry later. <laughs> You've certainly come a long way from the first time I met you when you were dressed inside of a monster costume while we were filming a corn dog <laughs> commercial. There's a little tidbit of, I, of course I remember. I, 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 there was a monster chasing us all around the house, or not chasing me, Lacey Evans in particular, and it, it was unmasked to reveal one Raquel Rodriguez early in her NXT tenure. Uh, you've, you've come you a know, long and way. I do, I do <laughs> want to say thank you to whoever hired me to be that monster because I feel like it really gave me good neck muscles carrying that big head around. It was full of all these mechanics all day. <laughs> 
Plus it taught me the power of, um, sweating in a sauna suit. So like now that I wear these body suits, I'm, it's just a sauna suit too. So I feel like she's got, she's got <laughs> abs all the time now. She's, I why just is that? ripped all the time because of these sauna suits I wear thanks to that monster costume. And I related a lot to it cause I'm always hangry. So I feel like, you know, <laughs> it was meant to be. Well, Raquel, what's next for, what's next for Raquel Rodriguez beyond the Royal Rumble, beyond WrestleMania? What does the WWE universe have to look forward to? I think the WWE universe has a lot to look forward to because I'm just getting started. And I feel like you guys have only seen one layer of Raquel Rodriguez. There's just so many more that I want to bring out. I want to bring out the bad side of Raquel Rodriguez. I want to bring out the hardcore side of Raquel Rodriguez. I want to bring out the extreme Raquel Rodriguez. There's just so much more that I want to do on SmackDown and on Raw and on the just in general in WWE. And I'm, I'm just so excited that this is the beginning of my journey. And, and it's not even close to being over, <laughs> which is kind of scary, too. Right, right. <laughs> We're absolutely thrilled to uh, take the journey with you. Where can the After the Bell listeners find Raquel Rodriguez on social media? My Instagram is Raquel WWE and my Twitter as well is Raquel WWE. So you guys can follow along, maybe even follow for today and tomorrow because I will be on the road with my dad. So that'll be exciting. (laughs) There you go. Well, safe travels. We will see you in San Antonio. Raquel Rodriguez, good luck in the Royal Rumble tomorrow. Thank you guys. See you guys there. JP, I wasn't going to say it in front of her. I think I have my pick for the Women's Royal Rumble match. Who? Who is it? Raquel. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) She's still here. You didn't hear that. I just cursed it. Alex, this is on you. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Well, good luck, Raquel. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search After the Bell and hit that follow button so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week on the road to WrestleMania with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. After the Bell.